Consequence Podcast Network. Hey fam, a bit of sad news here. Jen texted us the day after we recorded the Resident Evil episode and said that she wanted to focus on other things and no longer wanted to be a part of the podcast. We were obviously shocked by this and are sad to see her go. We already have a plan in place to continue the show without missing a week, so we're going to continue the weekly episodes that you guys are used to. And both Mikey and I are very saddened by this decision, but we completely understand and support Jen as she moves on to focus on her other endeavors. Yeah, if you're like me, all of your abandonment issues have now been activated. <laughs> uh, and Paige from the Cult Podcast has graciously accepted to sort of step in and help us out. Hello. Yeah, thank you so much, Paige. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into this. This episode brought to you by Nick, Nick B. B. I called Nick up because he lives in uh, the UK. Yeah, he does. Uh, and I said, we did this Conjuring 2 movie, and he went and burned down that house. <laughs> thank, thank you. I needed yeah. Nick B to burn down that house Three minutes into this movie, I was we, we mm-hmm. I, uh, Nick B. You're the only one in the UK with some sense. At least that's what this movie makes me believe. Uh, real talk, that house didn't need to be burned down. It was half demolished by the end of this film. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Nick B, for finishing the job. This episode also brought to you by. Ori. Ori. And Ori really helped me out this week by providing a lot of emotional support while we went through something pretty rough. So thank you so much, Ori, for being a part of the awesome community and giving us some love and support when we really needed it most. So thank you very much, Ori. We appreciate the love and support. This episode also brought to you by Mads. Borka de Borka. Is it the one from the show Dark? Because no. that's exciting. Wait, where does the show Dark take place? Germany. Germany. Oh, okay. Matt's is from Sweden. And for his uh. shout out, we do some Swedish fun facts. So here's one for you. Okay. Virtually every timber structure in Sweden is painted a deep red color. Why? Yeah, in a climate as severe as Sweden's, the wood has to be treated with a special red paint known as Flau Rodfarg. <laughs> I'm 100% sure I butchered that. I'm so sorry, Matt. No, no. You definitely pronounced that exactly perfectly. It's like a Swedish person was Uh, in the room. I hope they make you like an honorary citizen. I would take it now. (laughs) Let's just move there. But yeah, that's what gives all of those wood structures that deep red color in Sweden. Of course. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for your Swedish fun fact, Todd. Really, you should be thanking Matt. We now return you to another episode of uh, The Patrioticals. All right, so Kroon is running these uh, arena games up in the moon, uh, and everybody's been kidnapped to the moon. And Kroon says, you'll be fighting Crooked Man from the movie Conjuring 2. Everyone makes a confused look because they're like, why are we fighting monsters from movies? But they just move on. So the Crooked Man appears, and Kroon disappears. He's like, ha, ha, ha. And he, as he disappears, he does like a laughing, disappearing thing. Matthew tries to attack the Crooked Man with a sword. He gets hit and thrown into the wall, and he gets knocked out. And then uh, Isaac has his super strength and he fist fights with the guy. So Isaac is fist fighting with his super strength because he ate those zombies in the last episode. So wait, eating zombies gave him super strength? That checks out. Actually, the science in that checks he, out. So he punched a hole in the guy's, the, the crooked man's abdomen? Stomach? Thorax? <laughs> what is he, an ant? I don't know what the fuck that thing was. Not me either. It was stop motion. That's all I know. <laughs> then the crooked man kicked him in the head and he gets knocked out. Oh, and everybody's no. like, oh, I know. So, so Tristan, the robot Terminator guy, shoots him a bunch. But then he gets uh, the crooked man, holds him up by his ankles and is trolling him around, throws him really far. He's about to die. But Kate uses her telepathy to save him. Oh, like to catch him before he hits like the ground of the wall or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Nice. 
I'm glad you're picking it up. And then Eddie sent the guinea pigs inside the man's abdomen hole and oh. ate him from the inside out. And that's how they won that week. Wow. How long can our gang survive on the moon? Was the crooked man Richard Gere? I guess Mikey did forget about the electronics. <laughs> I guess we'll find out on another episode of The, the Patreonicals. Patreonicals. <laughs> I did forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode finally brought to you by Chris. Chris and Chris just wants everyone to know that you are loved and you are listened to and cared for. And there was no better display of that than this week in our Facebook group. Everyone was super supportive yeah. and really, really came together around what was going on and us just sort of coming to grips with all of that. So seriously, from the bottom of my heart, Facebook group, you guys are amazing. And Chris, you're like a big, big part of that. I When I posted the message about what happened, the first thing I thought was, I'm sure Chris is going to make me feel better when he reads this. <laughs> and he did. He, he 100% no. did. And so did everyone else we, in the Facebook group. I really, really appreciate you guys. Todd and I really appreciate the community for all the empathy, yeah. compassion, and love they've sent. You guys, I got this music box and it sings a really fun song. I'm going to twirl it up. Definitely nothing's going to happen, but I appreciate you two coming to my tent. Sorry, all I'm seeing right now is you starting it and our theme music playing and me inside it, creepily <laughs> walking around. <laughs> and then disappearing. I've been planning this forever. I have a loud laugh, but a very dark mind. <laughs> I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, you guys made me watch The Conjuring, Conjuring 2. Yeah. Okay. So I had clearly not seen this movie before, but have either of you seen this movie before? I had not. Uh, I'm not usually a fan of the Conjuring franchise, although I think I'd be more inclined to watch them after watching this one. Sure. And, and you've seen the first one, though, right? Yeah, I saw the first one. Yeah, and we did an episode on it, uh, you know, months and months ago, uh, and that movie really, really scared me, the first one of these. So this was the first time you saw it, Paige? This is the first time I saw it. What did yeah. you think about it? Well, I got about 10 minutes into it and realized <laughs> that as a true crime nerd oh, I was yeah. and paranormal investigation nerd, yes. I was familiar with the cases they were going to be referencing in the film. Yeah. All and right. I think I think that impacted my enjoyment of the film. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That's um, fair. But that to say, I think as far as this type of horror movie goes, the ones that are a little more dependent on, you know, jump scares. Right. I do think that this is of a much higher caliber than normal. I do think it's done yeah. really well. It's shot amazingly. Uh, the set design and everything is great. The kid actors are amazing in it. They're so good. I, all of them, all four of them are yeah. so good. Well, I'm going to say three of them. And then one of them is hardly there. I'm sorry, <laughs> but, Johnny. Jo I think Johnny's fine. I know you're talking about Johnny. I, think I am he, talking about Johnny. I think he's uh, fine, but he, I forgot he was there <laughs> until that scene in the kitchen. But we'll get to all that. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny was a smart one. He's like, I'm going to go stay at Timmy's house. I know. Johnny was like, I've got friends. I don't know why you guys are living at home. I'm living elsewhere. I actually, I have notes on that. Uh, the reason he's not in much of it is, so this is based on a real story. Right. And in the real story, that sibling was in boarding school. 
Oh, oh no shit. So there's just not a lot of information about about that sibling. They weren't there the entire time. Like they exist within the narrative of the story, but they weren't <laughs> present for most of the events. So ah. that character doesn't have a lot to do. I bet he pulled a Harry Potter and was like, you know what? Not going home for Christmas. <laughs> He's like, I'm going back to Hogwarts. Screw this. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um, Expelling we'll me here. back to Hogwarts. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, so yep. Mikey, have you seen this movie before? I am a huge fan of these James Wan movies. Yeah. I, I, most because I think like what Paige is talking about he takes what I kind of like about horror movies which is like I want to go to a movie theater and experience like a roller coaster ride oh you get scares and yeah and like he has like purified that down into a type of movie that I really enjoy and I love haunted house movies I think the most I know this was kind of demon but this is the kind of film I think the kind of horror movie I like the most I would say this is still sort of a haunted house it is a demon but it's it all takes place in that house I went with a bunch of friends in theaters to see it yeah and it was still scary and seeing a movie in the theaters scary but watching it last night by myself was <laughs> probably the top five most I've been scared spot. You were was literally a- blowing up our Facebook messages. Like you, you were like, oh my God, I need one of you to yes. come watch this with me. I'm so scared. It was so adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Not since I've watched it has if I have I had a movie scare me on a second rewatch. Like usually once I watch a movie, I'm never scared of that movie again, except for Arachnophobia, <laughs> It, and probably this one. The Conjuring was really scary, but I think this yeah. movie like ramps it up a bit where like the whole introduction 45 minutes is just like, you're going to be scared to death the whole time. I, I will say, A, my husband and my 10-week-old kitten kept making noises that I would just go, like, what was that? Like, in the middle of my own house. But I do think if I had seen this in a theater, I think it would have been terrifying. I hid my eyes in the theater. <laughs> But still, this was the first time I saw it, and this movie terrified me. And I was, like, watching it in bed. It was raining. It was, like, thunderstorming. And uh, Natalie was watching it with me. And it's funny because I was, like, jumping and everything and super scared. And she would look at me and be like, you didn't see that coming? Really? Because she, like, loves horror movies, and it does not bother her at all. For me, I'm just terrified. I didn't get scared by a jump scare until over an hour into the film. Wow. Really? I was able to predict almost every single one. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say, I will say the first 45 minutes of this film are Mikey used the word relentless in his text. And I think that was perfect because (laughs) typically in a movie like this, you get that scare and then the pressure lets off and Mm -hmm. you can be assured that there's not going to be another one for a little bit. That is not the case with this movie. No, it is not. And I'll point it out as kind of we go along. But one of the things I really appreciate about this movie is that it makes you think that you're going to have a sense of safety. And then it just rips the rug out from under you over and over again. Because it'll be like, oh, the mom's here. Everything's going to be okay. Nope. It's going to haunt the mom, too. (laughs) Or the (laughs) cops are here. The cops are here. It's never going to happen when someone else is in the house. Oh, no. Nope. Nobody is safe. From uh, Valak or whatever, yeah. I did really, really like that. When we get to the scare that finally got me, it got me so good, and then I laughed for 10 minutes after. Because like, here's my thing. I... I'm pretty good at predicting a jump scare. I am not. And so that's why it didn't get me for like an hour. Yeah. But when someone really gets me, I'm like, credit. Yes. Good for you. And it like, I almost (laughs) have like a laugh reaction afterwards. There were two, 
I think three total that really, really got me in this movie. Oh, man. There were so many that got me. Well, let's just get into this fucking movie because we got a lot to talk about, clearly. So this movie is actually based on, well, it starts with one case and then is based on a second case. The main case for the movie is the Enfield Poltergeist from 1977 to 1979. But we start off with Amityville, and I thought this movie was going to be about Amityville. I was like, oh, are we doing Amityville? (laughs) Todd, did you recognize the windows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I also recognize the case because I know a little bit about, you know, Ronnie DeFeo and all the, the murders and, of course, the money-making scam that they pulled to make money. That is the Amityville case. That is the Amityville case. Uh, they have a close-up on some of the best wallpaper I've ever seen. <laughs> so excited. Now, Amityville is Ed and Lorraine Warren's most famous case. It's like their breakout case. It's their breakout case, and it is largely considered to be a hoax. Yeah. The Enfield case is a little bit different, and I want to try and cover the movie as is because it is very different from the actual case, and I think that they took a lot of liberties to just make a movie that people could watch. Yeah. Um, But at the end, I do want to talk for a little bit about the case itself. Let's do it. So stay tuned for the real history of this movie <laughs> yeah. that's based on real events. Well, yeah, it's it's like <laughs> I will I go to see The Conjuring too because I want to be scared and see a haunted house movie. I don't right. pay right. money for a movie ticket to see a movie about two people like taking advantage of a scared family yeah. and then making well, money off right. of it. And, and there are a lot of things that they include in this movie and a lot of things that they don't. So when there's a quick moment to just like point out something that exists in both worlds or exists in contrast, both in the movie and in real life, I'll try to point that out. Cool. Um, awesome. But I'll save the bulk of it for the end. Okay, cool. So they're in the Amityville house. And I found it a little bit interesting that this is kind of how they framed Amityville. They, they're saying the church reached out to them for help, which... In real life is not true. Ed and Lorraine were basically the ambulance chasers of the paranormal investigation world. <laughs> right. But in the Conjuring universe, that's what makes them the good guys is that the church always reaches out to them to help these families. Yeah, and I really do love in the Conjuring universe, they're always the ones that are like, no, it's not a haunting. Yeah. It's something else. Don't worry about it. But that's so it makes you believe them more when they're like, oh, my God, it actually is a haunting. You know, so they do that for dramatic effect, which I love in the movie. Me too. <laughs> I think it's really interesting that they're like, we're here on behalf of the church. Let's have a seance. Yeah, <laughs> Which I'm right. like, the church would hate that. Yeah. <laughs> like, But that's how it starts out. It's a little church shadowing for later because the church is the one that sends them to London for this haunting that actually takes place over the course of the whole movie. Within this movie, the church sends them to right. London. Yes. We'll talk about the facts of the case <laughs> we later. We don't know yeah. what church it is. It could be any church. Well, that's a note that I have later because oh. if it is the Catholic church, they got some shit wrong. We start with the seance for the Ronnie DeFeo murders, and that is the family that lived in the Amityville Horror House before the haunting of the Lutz family. Right, And right. many consider that murder, the Ronnie DeFeo murders, to be the source of the Amityville haunting, which most people now accept to be a hoax. However, some people claim that the haunting predates the murders and that DeFeo himself experienced a haunting. And that's the version this movie is going with. That's a very strange version to go with, but that's what they chose to. I think thematically in the movie, it makes sense and I like it. I really love the way it's shot because Lorraine is in this seance and she's like in this like out of body experience sort of trance like state. And she's walking around as Ronnie with the shotgun and you see Ronnie anytime she walks in front of a mirror, you see Ronnie in the reflection instead of Lorraine. And I thought that that was 
awesome. I thought that was really, really well done. It was very creepy. There's a lot of creepy yeah. imagery. Just watching her walk around murdering the family. It was very creepy. Paige, I have a question. Sure. In the Conjuring movie, it said that DeFeo used the defense that voices were telling him to do it. Yes. Was that true in real life? So actually, I've got notes on the real life murder that will inform the scene a little bit. So Ronnie DeFeo shot his entire family, took a bath, changed his clothes, and then ran for help 15 hours later. Wow. So that's why a lot of people believe the murder was likely premeditated, because if he had not killed them, he would have called for help much sooner. Right. During interviews with the police, he actually confessed and led them to key pieces of evidence. His defense lawyer basically mounted a defense of insanity with DeFeo claiming that he killed his family in self-defense because he heard their voices plotting against him. Ah. Now the, yeah. Now, the movie does this a little bit differently where he's hearing voices telling him to kill the family. In real life, he was hearing his family's voices supposedly plotting to kill him. So he killed them first. Interesting. Mm -hmm. OK. Now, there were two psychiatrists that contributed to the trial. One for the defense, one for the prosecution. The psychiatrist for the defense basically supported that he was hearing voices and likely had a schizotypic disorder. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. However, the one for the prosecution maintained that even though he was on heroin and LSD pretty regularly at the time Ooh. and he had antisocial personality disorder, they maintained that he was aware of his actions at the time of the crime and therefore culpable. So he was actually found guilty of second degree murder, which is premeditated. Yeah. Um, and yeah. he is currently serving six concurrent sentences of 25 years to life. Um, he's still alive. He's being held at a correctional facility in New York, and all of his appeals to the parole board have been denied. The concept of not guilty reason of insanity is really interesting because the legal basis is they don't know it's wrong to do it. Right. To prove that in court is different than like, you, so you can straight up be in a schizophrenic psychotic episode, hearing voices, everything. But if the prosecution can show that you know the difference between right and wrong, you know that you would get in trouble if someone found out you did kill your family, then you wouldn't be not guilty reason of insanity. It's very interesting legal concepts. Yeah. So within this movie, they start the seance at the house trying to contact whoever might be in this house that may have influenced Ronnie DeFeo. The seance is portrayed as being in the light and the murders in the dark, very similar to the first conjuring. They definitely glance over like he's like, all right, guys, let's all close our eyes. Uh, imagine some light around you. Um, and everybody's kind of snickering. They're like, that'll protect you from all the demons that are going to come after you. Don't ask any questions. All right, let's go. Yada, yada, yada. Seance. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> what kind of light should we be? I would have some follow up. Like, what kind of light should we be picturing? Like, can we get like more of a, like a visual? Is a lava lamp okay? Uh, <laughs> Um, so at this point, Vera Farmiga's character or uh, Lorraine Warren is walking through the house, essentially reenacting the murder. Every right. time she crosses a mirror, as we mentioned, we see Ronnie DeFeo. Now, the guy that they have playing Ronnie DeFeo actually kind of looks like Ronnie DeFeo. He does, yeah. But also kind of looks like my husband. It was oh, dangerous. <laughs> you know, girls like them bad guys. Yeah, the yeah. first room she goes into, we see the mom sitting on the bed and they do something really cool where they speed the film up just yeah. in a millisecond and her head kind of like snaps. It's like one frame. It's so fast. Yes. It's so cool. It's very unnerving. And I thought that was a great device. I was yeah. very here for it. Now, as she walks through 
shooting everyone or pretending to shoot everyone and crossing the mirrors. But very, very soon after that, we start to see the children with glowing eyes. So the, we've got the first. Yeah, I thought it was just one boy. At first, it's one. Yeah. yeah. And she, she sees him like across the top floor of the house. And then he runs downstairs right. and she follows him downstairs and she sees like the seance. And then he opens the basement door and you see him again. And like she's like, oh, yeah, creepy kid. I'll follow it downstairs into the basement. Yeah. Never do that. Why would you never follow a creepy kid to a second location? That's like a general rule. That's her job, bro. Did you watch the first movie? Yes, you were there when I did. She always goes to the basement. Oh, I know. I legitimately yelled, no one go in basements ever. I know. Like when this, I was like, why? <laughs> this scene in particular made me bummed that we weren't watching this together. Because I was like, we're not even five minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> this movie goes places in the first five minutes and yeah, then this is, this is like the preamble and then you're like this is going to be about amityville and then after the first 10 minutes they're like no it's not about no. amityville it's Just a dipsy kidding. doodle let's go to london so she goes down into the basement now she passes a whole section of religious relics uh -huh. which i thought was weird because they're things that should be in like a church and not a house well maybe the defeos were like church robbers i don't know who hey, knows you paid so much attention i was just like this basement is scary this, see this is why jump scares don't get me because i'm looking around the scene being like why the fuck they got those red candles <laughs> oh you know why <laughs> business time <laughs> never use colored candles because the dye makes them burn hotter Oh, my God. This is why I'm single. There you go. Because you burn too hot. Is that why, Mikey? That's right. You're like Icarus. <laughs> you fly too close to the sun, Mikey. That's more like a bottle rocket. <laughs> so she runs further into the basement, into a section that is kind of weirdly cleared out, seemingly just for this purpose. And then there's just a wall of stacked chairs. Yeah. Yeah. As, as you do, as you keep in your yeah, basement. Yeah, like in the basement. Pa Paige, you yeah. clearly don't have a basement. That's all my basement is. Paige, Ronnie DeFeo made wooden chairs. I've, she gets into the clearing and there's the one glowing eyed child and they do a great camera reveal here. I love the reveal. So good. This did not scare me, but I was impressed and excited by Same. it. I, this is one of those moments where I was not scared, but I was like, oh, damn, look at that cinematography work. <laughs> yes, where she she turns her head and then she turns back and now there's four children with glowing yeah. eyes. The dead ones from upstairs. And they do the same sped up camera where they turn their head and it just kind of like snaps yeah. to kind of direct your eye. Oh, it's so creepy. It's very creepy. And this was the kind of thing where I thought the rest of the movie was going to be like that and kind of that unnerving creepiness. And I was like, I am here for this hereditary nonsense. Like, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> Absolutely. And then no, no, the rest of the movie was not like that. But Ari Aster's over there taking notes. <laughs> oh, clearly. So in the basement, you can see the nun in the background and yep. this nun looks like a juggalo for christ and i can't <laughs> handle it this is the main reason why this movie did not scare me that much because the white face paint takes me out of it completely where i'm like she looks like a clown i thought she was scary listen i thought down. she was scary too and one of the very early episodes was the movie the nun is it about this no it's about that nun before this takes place i haven't seen any of the extended conjuring universe yeah. right you know 
The ECU? <laughs> yeah. Right. I haven't seen the Annabelle movies. Fun fact, <laughs> there was a rumor that Annabelle escaped the Warrens' real house last night. Oh, really? Yesterday. What? Yeah. On the internet. I have to go. I have to go. I have to lock all my doors. (laughs) This is one of my many problems with the Warrens. Don't fucking keep haunted shit in your house. I know. Why are you doing this? Why are the Warrens like serial killer (laughs) levels, like steal trophies from their haunted houses and put them in their house? Like that's what serial killers do. (laughs) I want to see someone collect horror relics like the the Warrens or your horror collector. And then it'd be like the real world where like the ghost comes out and there's like seven other ghosts and they have to learn to like start living together. It's like the real world. But for a haunting, yeah. <laughs> oh my! When God. life stops happening and the afterlife gets it's real. real, hell yeah! <laughs> and it's like this isn't my Malibu home. <laughs> yeah, your half baby doll got moved to this house. Yeah, you're you're on Hell's version of Rock of Love bus. Enjoy it. <laughs> Uh, Brett Michaels uh, still alive for whatever reason is the only yeah, real character. It's because he's got some sort of creepy baby doll ensuring that he can stay relevant. So <laughs> anyways, she sees the juggalo for Jesus. Right. And tries to strangle her. It turns out it's her own hands. But then she reveals she like moves the whole mountain of chairs. And at first you just see a shadow, although I would know Patrick Wilson's shadow Anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> he is dreamy. I'll yes. give you that. Like, he is dreamy. I love it. We hear him sing in this movie, and he's, it's not great because he's pretending to do Elvis, but he actually has an amazing singing voice. He's so good. So good. Yeah. So good. I forgot I was watching a horror film for a minute, and I was just like, tell me all about it. Yeah. <laughs> so it looks like his neck snaps. So right. she screams in the seance, and Patrick Wilson has to snap her out of it. Uh, He says it's okay, but the background music continues. And she says, this is as close to hell as I ever want to get. Yeah. Now, if you were paying super close attention, you will notice that when she was walking through the house, every time she passed a mirror, she was Ronnie DeFeo. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which means ostensibly in the basement, she should still be Ronnie DeFeo, except that she uncovers that mirror and she sees herself. Yeah. Oh. And I thought this was all about what the movie was going to become because the nun was there. So I thought in my mind, she was done with the Ronnie DeFeo stuff. It was nun shadowing of what the rest of this movie was going to be about yeah this initial scene or sequence of scenes really sets up the idea that she is going to be the one that is haunted and then that is not the case for the rest of the movie and it's a problem i have screenwriting wise because i feel like we have this initial scene that gives us one impression and then we go into the rest of the movie where we see where the actual haunting is going to be taking place and then at the end of the movie, they swoop in and suddenly the story's all about them again. So what you're saying is the Warrens are the narcissist of the haunting realm. Absolutely. They're like, hey, how can I make this haunting about me? How can you put a weird, really tame love story in the middle of this that doesn't connect to anything else? You shut your mouth. I love the love story part. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And then it goes to London. Like, we just hear London calling. First, we get the title card letting us know that this is The Conjuring 2 in a very fancy old-timey font. Yes, it is. And then Mm -hmm. we don't actually get very many credits. We do get a montage of London, specifically London in the late 70s, which was economically very, very bad. It's the beginning of the Thatcher years. Things would continue to be bad for a little while. Yeah, because Thatcher believed in trickle-down economics like an idiot, which is why Reagan liked her like an idiot. We don't have time to get into all of it because punk music already did. 
So let's <laughs> continue. We, we covered some of this on the purge too. So sorry about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh. So we see a school. Yes. And children are smoking. I know. And they're talking about French kissing. You're too young to be smoking and French kissing. No, these are not teenagers. These are like eight year olds. I know. Yeah, that's what I said. They're children. I know. They're children. <laughs> they're like smoking like, I really want to make out with Ted. Ted's over in the background like playing with his G.I. Joe in the sandbox. <laughs> and Ted's like, what? Kissing girls? Gross. <laughs> I have expected them to pull the cigarette away and be like, Towie, like, whatever. If he wants to leave me, I don't care. Just like. <laughs> like <laughs> I honestly wanted her to like bite into it and reveal that it was like those that cigarette <laughs> like, like candy, candy that they made for kids but it's not it's a real cigarette it's a real cigarette and i love when peggy her mom questions her about it later she's like no nah, mom i was just holding it they ain't my drugs i was just holding yeah. it for a friend i never smoked. I was like, holding it that whole thing does not fit in with the rest of the movie at all it's such a bizarre choice it is this is where we find out that they've made the spirit board which they made out of magazine cuttings like they're holding the devil for ransom it's yeah. <laughs> real crazy <laughs> if you want to see valak again yeah they're shooting up heroin as they like you know what's worse than this let's make a spirit board <laughs> here's one of the things that i really liked about this movie because they tried to make a joke twice and it worked both times every time someone tries to lecture a child or take a cigarette away from a child they then immediately smoke it Yes, so funny. Teacher's like, "What are you doing?" (laughs) This scene cuts to her mom yelling at her about smoking as her mom smoking. As she's taking drags and cigarettes. Yes, I know. Uh, But yeah, so in this one, the teacher finds him. Is like, "What are you doing with that? Get to class!" And then conservatively smokes like half that cigarette. (laughs) We see the older sister picking up everybody after school, kind of marshalling them back to the house. Uh, All of these kids are about five to fourteen. Yes, probably the oldest one is 14 we know that for sure and then janet is 11 and that's important information because they're all on the cusp of puberty yeah and everyone knows poltergeists are attracted to puberty energy that's like a thing in like the ghost world where you're most likely to get a poltergeist if you're basically about to have your period or having just had it. Really? Yes. I did not know that. Again, this is if you believe poltergeists are real. There seems to be a connection with the kind of tumultuous energy that comes with puberty and the manifestation of poltergeists. And what a lot of people would argue, if you don't believe in poltergeists, is that what we're perceiving as poltergeists are acting out behaviors that are a manifestation of the hormones. Just kids acting out? Yes. <laughs> I gotcha. So it's one of those things where people who are super into poltergeists are like, it's their puberty blood energy. And then people who are not into it are like, do you think maybe they're having trouble at school? Uh, so, you know, <laughs> your lesson on poltergeists for the day. And we do see that one of the kids is being bullied at school. Like the youngest kid, Billy, is being bullied by a kid for stuttering. These kids as a group as they're kind of walking home and getting through their like daily routine they get along better than any siblings i've ever seen all of us have siblings only as adults do we get along that well yeah i have been the 14 year old getting their little brothers out of like back home from school it is like shut the fuck up get in line let's go let's go it's like the army (laughs) this is where we get a small title card letting us know that we are in enfield which is a suburb of london in 1977 um, we 
enter their house and we hear Peggy, their mom, on the phone saying that she can't pay the rent. Um, and we kind of get a little bit of a view of their kitchen, something they don't address in the movie. They show it a couple times, but they never talk about it. Uh, but was it was the case in real life is she's a laundress. Oh, is she? So oh. that's her job is, yeah, she is a laundress. And in the movie, you see a bunch of laundry hanging around and then you see her washing clothes during the day because yeah. when the washing machine breaks um, but they never come out and say that that's what she does but that's what she does okay over the phone we do hear her say that she hasn't received uh, she calls it child maintenance but aka child support child support from her, her in, husband right. yeah in four months um, and what we find out a little bit later is that they are in essentially government housing I did not realize that I did really like that like haunted houses are not always like super nice and awesome and like mansions which a lot of the movies that are haunted house movies are mansions I sort of like that this is sort of a shithole and I really like yeah. that hauntings can happen anywhere no one is safe no matter how poor you are <laughs> <laughs> They're coming for you. But I did like that this movie does a really good job about teaching you the layout of the house. It's not that big. And yeah. so like any scene, you kind of know where everyone's at. And yeah. I think the movie does such a great job of the spatial dynamics and showing that to the viewer. Yeah, there's one shot. I think it's actually coming up in a second where they actually walk you around the house. Yes. And they do it very like the movie 1917 style where there's no cuts. And they like go through a window and like go up and around. It's, it does such a good job of laying out the house for you. I love that shot. From the point that they get into the house is when that shot starts. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. really impressive. That's when, and she, the mom kind of hangs up the phone because she clearly doesn't want the kids to know that there's trouble. Like she's kind of trying to keep it together. Yeah. Um, but this is where she yells at Janet. Says you were caught smoking and then immediately smokes. Yeah, she's like, damn it, Janet, you can't smoke. Sorry, I had to work a little Rocky Horror and I apologize. I feel like we're going to have so many chances to scream, damn it, Janet. I know, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. So she blurts out in frustration that they don't have money and that's why they can't have biscuits. Yeah, because she like yells at Billy. I felt so bad for Billy because Billy's like, I just want a biscuit, which is a cookie, Mikey. Uh, for a second, I was like, they can't eat breakfast. But then I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, those spoiled kids want cookies, man. So, yes, he's asking for cookies. So that continuous shot ends. We do see them getting ready for bed. And the youngest child, Billy, is playing with a zoetrope that's attached to a music box. That's the spinny thing with the crooked man. Zoetrope is the word I could not remember last night when I was writing my notes. <laughs> so like, I saw it on the screen and I was like, zoetrope? question mark and then googled i was like zoetrope and that picture of that exact thing came up and i was like "Ah!" (laughs) that's when you like drop your phone you're like oh my god how did it know uh being haunted by google (laughs) i think google's like you're watching the conjuring too did you mean zoetrope question mark (laughs) so the mom brings biscuits up to billy and he's like you said we didn't have money and she says i meant to quit smoking anyway which okay this is so sweet and I, I love yeah. it. But yeah. does that mean she had cigarettes and sold them and then went and bought biscuits? No, it means like, she had $5 and was like, I'm not buying my children cookies because I need to smoke. So either way, yeah. it's not a good look for the mom because she originally was like, I'm not going to buy them cookies. I'm going to buy cigarettes for me. Also, the cookies are giant and she gives him four of them. <laughs> 
<laughs> so what you're saying, she's like, uh, Billy, I don't want you to have biscuits. I want you to have diabetes. Here you go. <laughs> no, she's like, Billy, this money was supposed to be our meals for tomorrow, but here's your cookies that you wanted. <laughs> you selfish child. I can't give you the food tomorrow, but I can give you the blood sugar now. <laughs> <laughs> Some would say that Billy has a chocolate chip on his shoulder. you son of a bitch the younger sister is already is sitting on the bed with her back to us foreshadowing where she's going to be sitting like three scenes later yeah and she's playing with the spirit board trying to ransom the devil or whatever and we can all disagree that we should never play with Ouija boards right never play with one never I have only ever had one person attempt a Ouija board in my presence because I yelled at them to stop yeah Uh, but it did not work that time so I, I don't know that it was because I was there and freaked out or what. Every time I've used a Ouija board with someone, the ghost always ends up saying, sleep with Michael. <laughs> You're pushing it. No, you aren't. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is creepy. <laughs> I mean, if it says so. Uh, so they ask it three questions. First, are there any spirits here? I'm like, girl, stop. Don't invite them over. I know. Why are you doing this? Then the second question is, is dad ever coming home? <laughs> yeah. It went from like. Spooky, spooky to after school special in one question. I know it was insane. I mean, and then a male figure did come to the house. Yeah, you're but right. But that was Mikey. really sad. I was just like, oh, girl, this Ouija board is not a therapist. It, it was. And then the third the third time we get an even closer look at their weird ransom board. And they essentially ask the first question again, where they're like, are there any spirits who can answer our question and also leave 30 quid in a bag at the bus stop? No cops. And <laughs> if you ever want to see your demon again, leave us biscuits. <laughs> Dear Ouija board, dad left to get sick. Cigarettes. If I start smoking, will he come back? <laughs> oh, oh, too real. Oh, God, Mikey. <laughs> That's basically what happens in this movie. I know. Oh. Except that instead of cigarettes, it was to get the neighbor woman pregnant. <laughs> yeah, with twins. With uh, twins. Yeah. Now, no one answers them, or so they think. Right. And then they say, it's a stupid game. It isn't real. So she puts it under the bed, leaving the planchette on the board don't sleep above a ouija board like don't don't do that why do you have one in your house have you learned nothing i don't i don't even have ouija prints on fabrics or anything (laughs) yeah i have a hardcore no ouija board no confederate flag rule in my house both of those completely valid yeah i'm gonna make you a confederate flag ouija board absolutely not mikey i'm gonna find a fireplace if you do i'll be like general lee <laughs> you only ask Confederate dead Confederates questions on the Confederate. <laughs> well, that would that would suck because then every time you try to read the Ouija board, it would start out with like "I do declare," and you're just like, <laughs> "We get, get to it, generally. We get it, <laughs> my dearest colleague, Mister Abernathy. Fucking stop, man! Like, just tell me what you want to say. This is my letter. I do declare your father it will not return. <laughs> I'm just a simple country." general but and you're just like just tell me who's dead and if dad's coming back your father has had relations (laughs) with the neighbor woman 
<laughs> the western front of the war is dire, and we are in need of supplies. Could you send us some saltpeter to fight this war of northern aggression? Ouija board, get back on track! <laughs> I do apologize for the lack of brevity in this conversation. <laughs> Every time there's a Ouija board from now on in future movies... It is now canon. Congratulations. This is how you end up with a gator lawyer. <laughs> I'm sorry, Paige. That's amazing. Your father's and mine's bed had been quiet for some time, but as the neighbor woman found out, the South will rise again. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> and there's just uh, an English, there's like a legal English children like, I don't know about the Civil <laughs> what War. What is this? talking about? Why do we care? Um, as Shakespeare once said, brevity is the source of wit. So we'll get back to the rest of Thank the episode. You. Thank you, Confederate Ouija board. Thank you. Yeah. So she falls asleep on top of a Ouija board, clearly the safest place in the house. No. And immediately teleports. Oh, uh, this was cool. It was really cool because she teleports to right by the chair that we find out Bill died in. Right. Yeah. She tries to go back and she's locked out of the bedroom she shares with her sister. Which is locked door shadowing because that yes. happens again when she teleports later. But Paige, I personally don't think it was her knocking on the door because I don't think the so sister does get up and like open the door and no one's and there. And there's no one there. So she opens the door. There's nobody there. There and the sister comes in and goes back to sleep. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, that was weird, but doesn't really dwell on it. This is something that these types of movies do. They sort of like lay the stakes and they keep amping them up. But I like how fast this amps it up. This one goes to zero to 100 like super quick. Super quick. Yeah. yeah. At this point, she's teleported. It's only 16 minutes into the movie. The next morning, we come to the mom and the neighbor talking. And it's basically an exposition dump where she's yeah. talking about how Janet really misses her dad and she took him leaving pretty hard. And this is where the washing machine is broken. We then cut to the Warrens being interviewed about Amityville. On TV. like, And there's a guy on there who's pretty much like calling them out as scammers, which I really liked because a lot of people saw through their shenanigans in real life. And I liked the movie at least addressed that. So this is actually a real person. Oh, is oh, it? Oh, yeah. Yes. Nice! Yes. So, and something to note that the movie's not very clear on, this is a two-year time jump. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. So the scenes that we just saw are 1977, and then this interview is 1979 again. Oh, Those okay. timelines converge at the end of the movie, right. but it's not entirely clear the entire time. Fair so, enough. Uh, the person that they're being interviewed with is Dr. Stephen Kaplan. He is a real person. He wrote the book, The Amityville Conspiracy, which basically is the one declaring Amityville a hoax. Um, it's basically in contrast to Jay Anson's 1977 book, The Amityville Horror. The Amityville Horror was an instant success, spawning movies, etc. Yeah. But Dr. Stephen Kaplan believed that the Warrens involved themselves and sided with the paranormal version of the story for the recognition. It is interesting to note that Dr. Kaplan didn't get to investigate the house. Allegedly, the Lutzes called him to do so, 
and asked what he charged for an investigation. And he told them that he didn't charge because he liked to prove that things were a hoax. And if it was a hoax, he would let people know about it. And that's all the payment he needed. And so the Lutzes canceled the investigation. Yeah. It's one of the key Uh... facts that make people think that Amityville is a hoax. But that's who he is. That's who they introduce him as on the TV show. Awesome. I love that they include him. One of my biggest issues with this movie and with just the representations of the Warrens in the media in general, they have no depth to them as a couple. They are just perfect in every way. They have no conflict. They're always understanding of each other. There's no personal stakes or goals. They are just one unit of uninterrupted blandness. And in real life, there are a lot of reports of like him cheating on her, them fighting, them breaking up, them staying together for the business. Like there's a whole bunch of crazy stuff that's just not in this. I feel like they're not even portrayed as real people. Um, I've heard uh, last podcast on the left, which did episodes on the Enfield poltergeist. I highly recommend them. Yeah, I love last podcast. And one of the things that they mentioned about this movie is it feels like a Christian superhero movie, not a horror movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, clearly. I'm down for that. You should (laughs) just watch Left Behind, Mikey. No, no, I like this movie. I I am a Christian, but I will be first to admit that Christian cinema is terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Christian over here too. We make bad movies. We're yeah, not like, good at it. Like if that's how you're marketing your film, I'll be like, I just know it's going to be very poorly written and terrible, and then I'm going to have to watch it with my mom in six months. And thank you guys for that. <laughs> if I go to my mom's house tomorrow and say we're going to watch Conjuring Two, it's about Christian superheroes. <laughs> I bet she'd at least start it with you. We literally only get that interview with them, and then we're back to England in 1977. Yeah. Ostensibly the next night. And Billy, the youngest one, is using a zoetrope for speech therapy. I thought this was super cute, man. Because This is very cute. Yeah, because the sister's helping him with his speech, and he, like, messes up, and she's like, it's okay, just... Take a breath and we'll try again. And then he does it again, saying the song or whatever it is. Yeah. And he gets through it. I thought it was so sweet that she was helping him. This is where his mom gives him biscuits. Yeah. She basically says, don't eat all of them. You'll wake up thirsty. And I'm like, why'd you give him that many then? Like, you're the parent. You're controlling this. If you don't want me to eat all of them right now, why didn't you give me a plate or a plastic yes. bag or something? I, yes. Do you want me to set them on the floor? Like, mom, what, what are you asking me to do right now? Plates? Do you think we're Richie Rich? <laughs> I guess I'll have to quit smoking again so I can get you a plate, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> now, just like she predicted, did Billy wakes up thirsty from all the biscuits yeah and he walks downstairs into the kitchen and looks out over their backyard where they have crazy yard fog they do it's foggy in England though right yeah it's foggy in England it, I mean but this was like you know the mist level it was crazy. <laughs> it was the mist level but it is and it shows like their swing set and the swings are moving like it's windy well but only one of them is moving Ooh. that's the key one swing set is moving on its own and that's what he's watching through that window. Do you think it was the old man Bill swinging? I don't think it was Bill swinging. I think it was Valak out there thinking like, you know what? Let's amp this up a little bit. You know how like Mikey, you go to parks alone and then sit there and think? Don't do that, Mikey. So 
at the same time, Janet is having nightmares. So she's talking in her sleep, but she's talking in a different voice and having essentially a conversation with herself. This is actually one of the pieces of evidence that make people think the Enfield poltergeist case is a hoax because she is the one speaking the entire time. Now, if I was the older sister, I could not go back to sleep after hearing her talk in her sleep. No. We at this point think that the sleep talking is done because she's, <laughs> she's kind of gotten her back to bed. The sleep talking is like, get out of my house. I'll kill your whole family. Yeah. yeah. And the sister's like, oh, she's sleep talking. What drives me crazy is when she sleep talks and then the sister wakes up or whatever. She's like, oh, okay, it's just a dream or whatever. Doesn't the sister go over there and like quiet her down? Yeah, she quiets her down and then she goes to bed. Ugh. And then seconds later. This scared the shit out of me. The sister kind of turns over and... And Janet is standing over her bed screaming that this is her house and screaming at what looks to be the corner. Yeah. If you pause during this section, as I did to take notes, you can see the old man a little bit in that dark corner. Uh, The sister hears the voice, too, in the scene, right? Yes, she does. Yeah, yeah. But after all of this, the sister again gets up and she's like, damn it, Janet, get back in bed. (laughs) Damn it. Janet, you need sleep. (laughs) Exactly. And she gets up and puts her back in bed. And then she walks back and gets in bed. Like, I would not be able to sleep. I'd be going to get mom at this point. Yeah, she does leave the light on. That is true. And there is like that hesitation of, should I turn the light on or off? (laughs) Now, all of this is going on, unbeknownst to Billy. And Billy starts to come back from the kitchen. And there's toys everywhere. Now, As he's walking, he turns that corner to go up the stairs. Did you see the man there in the chair? I absolutely did. Oh, it scared scared me so bad, but I liked it because I was like, it's not a jump scare. It's just him panning through the room or walking through the room, right? And we just see him in the chair. He's just sitting there. It's vague enough that you question whether you saw it. Yes. But then Billy walks upstairs and like stumbles over the fire truck. That I grew to hate over the next three minutes. He (laughs) sends it back into the teepee. And the second he did, I knew it was coming back. He takes it back and pushes it into the teepee again. It comes back as well. I'm like, Billy, how long does it take to be freaked out about this? Right? Yeah, and when it comes back the second time, we hear like a demonic scream from the teepee. And then he runs straight to his mom. I was so scared. That scream scared the shit out of me. Anyway, so he runs to his mom. She checks the tent. There's no one. It's just a bad dream. But then she hears something downstairs. And she immediately sends him to his room. Very smart. Yes. But this is where I was like, grab a weapon. You don't know what's downstairs. So she comes down the stairs completely unprepared. And it's Janet in the rocking chair. Yeah. She thinks that she's been sleepwalking. It's more like a barca lounger than a rocking chair. Like it's. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It looks comfortable as shit. (laughs) It feels like the mom went to the Needful Things store and was like, look, I have no money. I know what this store is. I need a really comfortable chair. for. I mean, in the movie universe, that chair was there when she moved in. Uh, Yeah, I know. But I mean, like she I think she did on like this chair's haunted. We'll give it to you. But it's really comfortable. She's like, yeah, well, I'm you know, my husband left me. So, yeah, it's haunted with comfort. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's actually the case in the real story as well. That really? Yes, that they inherited a lot of furniture from a murder house. Uh, And we're like, why are we haunted? 
it. It couldn't be this, you know, sleeper sofa that someone died on. Oh, <laughs> like, my God. So Janet has a fever. And so the mom basically says she should stay home for tomorrow. At this point, we enter into daytime horror, which is tough to do. But this movie does it so well, though. The very next day, it's pouring down rain because England... And the TV channels start changing on their own. And then suddenly she can't find the remote. This really scared me. This whole scene. This got me very badly. Oh, it got me so good. So she, the phone rings. She finds the remote. It's sitting on the chair. Clearly not where she put it. There's some crazy canted angles with the camera for us to suggest that something is wrong. She is trapped in the house, essentially, with it. And what we see is the TV kind of turns off. And in the reflection of the TV, we see the old man in the chair. So she turns and then there's no one in the chair and turns back around and he's over the TV. Get out of my house. Yeah, I was scared to death. I take notes on my phone when we're when I'm watching these movies. And while I was taking notes on my phone, I screamed and my phone came out of my hands and hit me in my neck because I like dropped it. It really got me. At this point, we go back to the Warrens and I want their house and Patrick Wilson, please. Thank you. Uh, it's a beautiful, <laughs> yes, beautiful 90, late 60s, early 70s design. Uh, super excited about it, except that they keep a bunch of haunted shit there and he's seeing demons in his dreams and is like I should paint these don't do that Dorian Gray no knock that shit (laughs) off Uh, you will win me over with Oscar Wilde references I will promise you that my friend but yeah like I love that Ed Warren is such a good painter that he can bring demons to life in this movie yes if you're an Avenger for Christ this is what you do You got to Bob Ross the demons away, guys. They have nothing else to do. They're all, the whole scene's there. They're just sitting around. That's true. They don't have real jobs. They don't. (laughs) And the one fake job they have, Lorraine's about to ask Ed to stop doing. Yeah. She asks him to not take on any new cases, at least not for a while. And they're sitting at the breakfast table. And I straight up thought their daughter was a ghost because I forgot they had kids. (laughs) I forgot from the first movie. And she just kind of quietly glides into the room. And I was like, is this about to be the ring? Like, can we not? (laughs) But no, she's just a daughter. And then we immediately head back to England where Janet is tying herself to the bed. And she wakes up trying to sleepwalk again. And the jump rope that she's tied herself to the bed with, it's pulled her back. You like hear a thump and she's like, oh, I hit my head on the floor when I was trying to sleepwalk and got jerked back to the bed because I'm tied to it. Mm -hmm. I thought that was cool because that that point you're like oh she is just sleepwalking it's not that she's teleporting which right. will come into play a little bit later but i like that part of it this is the second time we hear that thudding on the door right. older sister has headphones on so she can't hear it which i guess she started doing because her sister's talking to ghosts at night probably i would too yeah she's like i've got a test in the morning <laughs> <laughs> So she unties herself and goes to answer the door, which like, don't. Right. Yeah. What good could be on the other side? She tries to turn the lights on and the lights are out. Like the lights are not working. So she grabs a laser light aluminum flashlight. I know because I have the same one. And the reason I have that flashlight is because it's the same one that Fergie carries for two scenes in Planet Terror. And I thought it looked super cool. And we, I know not everyone likes Planet Terror, but we absolutely have to do Planet Terror at some point. Okay. It should be in the horror comedy month. Um, So flashlights for some reason make everything scarier. Yes. She checks the chair 
and it starts moving. She runs back to the room, moves a chair to lock the door, and then she turns literally seconds later, and the chair is right next to her. Yeah, which is terrifying. It is terrifying. I hated everything about this movie from Jump Street. It's so scary. And one of the things that this movie does really great is that it's following her point of view, which adds to us being disoriented and uncomfortable because we only know what she can see. But then in this scene, it shifts points of view so that we're now seeing from the point of view of the ghost. Yeah. And then those sheets are ripped off. The beds vibrate. Kinky. She gets bit <laughs> kinkier. Can I just ask about this really quick? Yeah. If you were hiding from a ghost and you had a flashlight and you climb under your covers, why would you not turn the flashlight off? It's still on. It's like illuminating the whole sheet that she's hiding under. I would under. never turn that flashlight off. Yeah, because lights tend to dispel ghosts. That's yeah. like a thing. Not demons, baby. Yeah, and not in this movie. That's the thing where everything you would think would stop this activity it does not. doesn't. Yeah. Right. That's what makes this scene effect because this is like the sister wakes up. You think it's going to die down. It does not. It does. I no. love that, though, because the sister wakes up and she's like, what is going on? I have a test in the morning. Damn it, Janet. Then the beds go. Well, the Jan- Janet yells, there's someone in the room. And then the sister's like, no, there's not. And that's when the beds start to shake. And the sister's like, oh, shit, something is going on. And I like this. Because they, like, go get mom immediately. No, they scream and mom comes in. That's what it is. And the mom is like, shut up. Yeah, Yeah. shut up. (laughs) Go back to bed. Nothing is happening. And then Bill the ghost is like, oh, Peggy, something be a happening. And he shoves the whole dresser in front of the door. And then I love this part, too, because it cuts to them running out of the house. That's (laughs) what you would do. You leave that shit and light it on fire. My favorite thing is, A, that she turns the lights on. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for turning the lights on in a horror movie. For being the responsible (laughs) adult that you are. Yes. Secondly, I love that when that dresser moves, we have a flip shot of her face. Oh, yeah. It is the face of an adult that says, I am lost and scared and I don't know what to do, but I'm the grown up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is the adult's <laughs> face where the adult is clearly saying, I need an adult. Right. Yes. Yeah. I love that. So they run across the street to the neighbors. The neighbors to go get an adult. <laughs> to go get an adult. The neighbor's husband checks the house, but there's no one there. Super stand-up guy. I would never do that. Like Paige, if you ran across the street and you were like, "Hey, I think there's someone in my house and/or a ghost. Will you go check it?" I would say, "Absolutely not." But I would do what he did, and that is call the cops. I would wait until the cops got there and yeah. then check the house themselves. He pre-searched yeah. for the cops. Yeah. I know. Like, yeah. let them do their job, right? Anyway, I like that he called the cops at least, you know. I think the cop scene is my favorite scene of the movie. Me because it's too. like the neighbor husband, the mom, kids are over there, and it's the cops. And the cops come in like any horror movie, and they're like, there's nothing going on. We'll check it out. I think it's squirrels in your walls. Like, it's fine. It's not anything to be worried about. So this, we're about 40 minutes into a two-hour movie. And yeah. so when you think about everything that's happened, and we're not even halfway through. Right? I know. That's what I tweeted out last night. Why is this movie two hours and 13 minutes? Because I'm 40 minutes in and terrified I at was this like point. live texting y'all because I was freaked the fuck out. 
I know. And I was like, I was like, oh, the police are here. Thank God. I was like, oh, it's terrifying. This movie's the worst. So the police arrive and and you think that things are not going to happen while the police are here and they're not going to believe them because that's what happens in most haunting movies. That's like the trope, right? And I love that they're like, ha ha. It's still going to happen. Now, the reason that that occurs is because that's what happened in real life. Really? Oh, no. It's one of the few pieces of evidence that they can't explain where the female police officer wrote a report and stands by the report that a chair moved about four feet and there were no wires and no explanation for how it happened. Okay. And she was crucified in the press and among her peers and ended up, I believe, eventually leaving her job over it. It's it, it's kind of sad where she's like, I know what I saw, but no one believes her. There are a lot of pieces of evidence that could be faked or some evidence that is officially faked and we know it's faked. This is one of the few pieces of evidence that is not. Just can't be? Yeah. Well, because what they see, like what the male cop brings the chair into oh. the, the vestibule, if you will. And it's like listening. Because well, they hear scratching on the walls. So they bring the chair to like look on it. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. he's like listening into the wall and he's saying, yeah, it sounds like you have an animal like a squirrel or whatever in your wall. And then he gets off the chair and then the chair drags back down the hallway and then back into the kitchen. And then I love the next thing we see is the cops leaving. Like they're just like, yeah, oh, yeah. nothing we can do about that. <laughs> we can't help you with this. Oh, that, they say that they're like, we're doing a report, but you're going to need to look elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. And I love that. And then the lady cop is like, listen, I'm a friend with the, with my church pastor or whatever. Uh, a priest. I'll reach out to them and see if they can help you because this is out of our realm, right? Yeah. Well, and something else interesting about this scene. So when they knock on the wall, it knocks back. Yes. In the same yeah. succession. So it's clearly not just like a mouse. Right. Um, but what she, what Peggy, the mom says is some mouse. And the reason they include that is because in real life, she got so frustrated listening to the knocks and the crazy things happening around her house that she just started referring to them as the mice. And she's like, the mice are back again. Oh. And. It was, so that's like a real story tw- touch point that oh they included. At this point, we're back to the Warrens and their bland, milk toast life. Lorraine and her daughter are sitting in the living room. Lorraine is reading her Bible. Uh, the daughter is making friendship bracelets. I hated this because this is where the daughter like sees the nun down the hallway, right? What happens first is we, as the audience, see someone cross behind the daughter and she feels it yeah she clearly feels it as like an energy or a force yeah and so she stands up and walks out of the room lorraine looks up her daughter's gone she walks into the hallway she finds her and she is borderline catatonic and just says who is that and points down the hallway where the nun is standing there yeah this is why you don't bring haunted shit home no because the nun walks (laughs) into that haunted shit room she does and then of course lorraine follows after her and the the nun is not in the room but the nun painting is because of course ed was like hey I Bob Rossed out this demon painting. I'm definitely going to hang it in our room of creepiness. (laughs) This whole scene with the light and the light turning off and that changing the face of the painting. It's not like jump scary, but it's really creepy. It's really creepy. This is also the point where I questioned why no one in this movie checks their six. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Look over your shoulder once in a while. So uh, she gets trapped in the room 
and then she's back in the Amity basement. And this is where we see Patrick Wilson get treed to death. Yeah, he gets penetrated by the tree. Yeah, this again for me is a not very effective scare. No, it was not that effective. Disagree. I. <laughs> so when she's in the creepy room of why do we have this? She from behind her sees this like shadow of the nun walking around the room to the painting. Yeah. And then the nun comes out of that painting like TVs didn't exist and this was the ring. And then she like charges Lorraine with like her face in the painting, yeah. but her arms and body out of it. And then that is when Lorraine is like automatic writing in the Bible, the name, although we don't know that yet, but the name right. of the demon. And she's like just ripping up the pages of the Bible. And the reason automatic writing is in this movie is because they used it in the case. That okay. was one of the other things that... Janet used to say that she was communicating with an entity issues automatic writing. I'm surprised she keeps this Bible. She messes up this Bible. Yeah. I mean, really messes it up. Yeah. All of Psalms is destroyed, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, and she is in Psalms. It's right in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> this is where we find out that the nun wants to kill Patrick Wilson and, like, screw her, okay? Like, I'm not okay with that. This is the one thing you have a problem with, is that the nun wants to kill who you find the most attractive in the movie yeah who else am i gonna find attractive in the movie i mean that's fair but them shoulders though is all i'm saying <sighs> man you can't get uh, rid of that you know what when he's in Ooh. that hoodie you're just like yes relaxed around the house patrick wilson and then later <laughs> when he's in that like white t-shirt i'm just like mama gonna get you some biscuits yes page honey i've uh, <laughs> i've painted another demon can you put it in our demon painting absolutely room? not honey i'm gonna burn it <laughs> And do whatever sexual favors you need to make you feel okay with me burning it. <laughs> we cut back to England where a news crew shows up at the house and she doesn't want them to come in or the mom, Peggy, doesn't want them to come in. Right. Because uh, she doesn't want their business all over the television. Yeah. And they persuade her by saying that getting their side of the story out might be their best chance of finding people who could help them, which in real life is why they did that, too. So I was going to ask Paige because this felt like it was it really happened in real life because yeah. the reporter has a name and the name of the show that they're on. Right. It's it's wide angle. And I was like, oh, OK, this probably actually happened in real life. Almost all of the people they list in this next montage are real people. OK. 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 okay. I figured an, that it felt like it. a combination of real people. Sure. Yeah. The first person we introduce in that montage montage is a man named Maurice Gross. Um, yes. He is a real person and he is very important to the actual real life story where he was one really? of the. Is that the bunky looking Harry Potter guy? Yes. yes. Paige, let me translate. And by Harry Potter guy, what Mikey means is British actor. <laughs> so Maurice Gross was one of the first people to get in contact with the family to investigate the haunting. He was an inventor and kind of a self-made man. And he ends up bankrupting himself investigating this case. What? Part of the reason he took the case is right before the haunting began, his daughter, who was a little bit older, who is also named Janet, what? dies in a car accident. Really? Or I'm sorry, a motorcycle accident. I mean, yes. they mentioned that in the movie, which is a scene I want to talk about when we get there, but I didn't realize her name was also Janet. Her name is also Janet, and he takes this case almost immediately after, and he and Janet form kind of a bond where he kind of becomes the dad that she doesn't have, and she becomes the daughter he's missing. That would be an awesome dynamic to actually play out on this movie. Real talk, I would watch a movie about just this haunting 
without the warrants. Right? Uh, and it'd be equally compelling. But in true narcissist form, in about 20 minutes, they come over and make everything about them. True. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, they have a very close relationship. And he's one of the few people that essentially believes Janet no matter what the whole time. I think a lot of that has to do with him processing the loss of his own daughter. Yeah. Yes. I thought this would pay off in the movie. Like, it does. It pays off in real life. I wish it paid off in the movie, though. It would have been, I think, really impactful to see that story. What we also find out is that there are people who believe that she is faking. Most notably, Anita Gregory, who's an amalgam of a couple people in real life, played by Franca Potente, and she is not convinced. She thinks that the children are pulling pranks. Yeah. We cut to the interview where they make her sit in the chair and or they make her sit on the couch essentially first and then we eventually move to the chair and right. they're asking her about the voice and she says it's gotten worse since he started talking to it. She is clearly showing signs of instability at the very least. But as far yeah. as the movie is telegraphing to us, she's clearly possessed at this point already. Yeah. Yeah. And the reporter says, oh, it gets worse when we talk to it. Well, let's talk to it. Let's just yeah. do the thing that's yeah, going to make it. it worse. Like what? what? The reporter. <laughs> <laughs> so irresponsible. It drives me insane. And this is where through her talking, we learn that the entity, or at least what they believe to be the entity, is Bill Wilkins, 72 years old, from the grave, who died in that chair. And she says he died of an aneurysm. Yeah. He died of an aneurysm. Information that she shouldn't know, although could have potentially found out. And it does prove to be true within the story that... He was Bill Wilkins. He did die in that chair at 72 years old. And then they just kept the chair. Yeah. So that is all accurate, but it's also information that she could have heard from a neighbor or, you know, like. And they explain it away that way in the movie. At this point, they're living with the neighbors, but we get a shot of the zoetrope in the house spinning unattended and the crooked man disappears. Yes, the crooked man leaves the zoetrope. We cut back to the neighbor's house where we see the dog ringing the bell to go out because they had like a bell so their dog could go out to Which I it. thought was really neat. That was pretty neat. The youngest child, Billy, wakes up to that bell ringing in the house, follows it around to essentially the back door instead of the front door, where the dog is sitting there clearly seeing some shit mm -mm. until Billy opens the door. And all of a sudden, this movie turns into the thing. Yes. Because that dog <laughs> breaks out into the crooked man. And I'm, I'll be the first to say it. Crooked Man ain't that scary. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, it wasn't jump scary. I'll give you that. But when it broke out into the Crooked Man, I was very freaked out. I'm with Paige on this. I think the second time Crooked Man comes up with Patrick Wilson, it's really scary. I think this one's a little not effective. Oh, man, it got me. I like the way they introduced the Crooked Man outside of the zoetrope because it's still like stop motion like it would be if it was in the zoetrope. And mm -hmm. I thought yeah. that that was a cool effect. But this is when it like chases him and Billy runs back into the room that all, everyone is sleeping in and he wakes his family up and they hear the crooked man walking down the hallway and see the shadow of it. Yes, we do right. see its shadow. And then we see Janet walk around the corner instead of the crooked man. Clearly possessed. And then she collapses and has a seizure. Yeah. We, we never address what happens to her after that until later. Now, this is where we cut back to the Warrens and they're listening to the tapes of Janet. There are real 
real life recordings. We hear them during the credits. They only play a small portion of them. If you listen to the last podcast episodes, they play extensive sections of them. So uh, the tapes get to the Warrens and the priest who brings them the tapes essentially tries to sell it as like England's Amityville. Yeah. And Lorraine doesn't want to go. She says, if we keep doing this, we'll die. Patrick Wilson is like, we'll just be there to observe. And I'm like, you can observe me anytime. Yes. <laughs> We're just going to go observe and report. Mm-hmm. Is what she says. Yeah. We just want to be the church's eyes. Now, they arrive in England. And by the time they get there, it's been almost two years. That's insane that people would live in a house that is haunted for two years. Well, they're really poor. They can't move. We also find out that they aren't really living in the house anymore at this point, but the real life incident goes on for 19 months. Man, Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. So when they arrive, they find out that they've basically separated Janet from the other children. They have some photos of Janet levitating and they have a room that's basically just filled with crosses and the furniture in it moves all night. And is essentially causing Janet to be extremely sleep deprived, which is very notable because that can cause hallucinations. Lorraine tries to kind of befriend her and tells her angel story. She ends it with like, I married the guy who believed me. And then I thought was sweet. Of course you did. I feel like it's nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the few things I like about this like montage of scenes or segment of scenes is that when they're showing all the crosses in the room, and they're like, yeah, neighbors gave them to us and we, you know, we put them up because we thought it would help. Ed goes, did it help? And she goes, no, we hear them yeah. all night. Like it, we <laughs> thought it would help. It did not at all help. So we just left them up because we're not going to take them down and we just leave it alone more or less. They've right? chained the room closed. Right. We also find out that Janet claims that she can hear the voices even when she's not speaking for them. And the voices say that they want to hurt Lorraine. And then Lorraine's like, when do you hear these voices? I hear them right now. They're telling me that right now. And this is the Mm -hmm. scene where Janet is like, no one wants to be my friend. I'm so lonely. I can't get sleep. All Mm -hmm. that stuff. And Lorraine's like, that was me when I was your age. I know. I found a boy who believed me. What did you do with your friend that you believed you? I married him. I married him. I knew you'd love that. I wanted Lorraine to also give the advice of, well, if all of your old friends think you're possessed, just own it. Just like, get like a possessed AF shirt and wear it around and just be like be real <laughs> proud that you are possessed. People will like flock around you because you're possessed. Own what makes you different. I mean, I've, uh, I feel like this is one of those cases where maybe not. Yeah, you think wearing a shirt that said possessed AF would only like egg on the <laughs> demon more maybe? A little bit. I think it would also attract uh, an unsavory uh, type of gentleman but um, <laughs> the next scene is where they're essentially the Warrens are trying to talk to the entity through Janet and they make her sit in the chair again they make her drink water and spit it out which seems like a weird test that doesn't really do anything it doesn't because it doesn't work she's supposed to hold the water in her mouth and the voice was supposed to come out when she still had water in her mouth right but it doesn't work well they make her they make them all turn around yeah and yeah. so she just spits the water out something that they do do that I think is a really nice touch is that they blur her in the background yeah. so we get a gorgeous view of Patrick Wilson but also in the back <laughs> you see that she kind of morphs yeah. into Bill 
still the longer it goes. Yeah. And it is effectively creepy, man. This is a creepy scene. It's not jump scary. It is just really amping up the creep factor. The next scene is everyone getting ready for bed. And this is where we get to see that fun white t-shirt. But also, (laughs) this is where we get to see that she is getting into bed with her mom. So her mom is sleeping in the same bed with her, which I'm like, do you have a death wish? I know. So (laughs) she wakes up to hear whistling and they're whistling the song This Old Man but my ear when I first picked it up was like the Barney theme song I thought it was the Barney theme song it too is, it is the same melody is it okay uh, I was like why yeah. <laughs> why is the old man whistling the I love you you love me song from Barney for a hot second I was like did they just include Barney and not realize that Barney came out in the 90s and so I googled <laughs> I was like Barney song history and they were like hey dipshit it's also this old man I was like oh <laughs> that makes sense he's an old man but I think Barney Barney is so like prevalent to like, especially the generation for which this came out. Mm -hmm. There's no way you're not going to think that. Yeah. There's no way you're not hearing Barney. Yeah. I would not have included it in the movie for that reason. Yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah. Now this is where we actually do see her teleport. Basically threw her bed to the ceiling in the room below and he's in the chair. And I totally thought he was going to do that ghost skitter thing that people do. yeah, yeah, Yeah. But they don't. He just goes upstairs and then pulls her from the ceiling through the ceiling up into the floor of the bedroom that's locked. Yeah, and then she starts like screaming and stuff, right? And no one seems to wake up yet. I know. Right, no one. This is the room with all the crosses. Yeah. All of the crosses turn, and this was the jump scare that got me. Really? This is the first oh, yeah. one. I mean, it got me too. Is this when the mom's open, got the door cracked? No, that's a good one also. No, this is the one where the crosses are turning, so you've got the misdirect where you're kind of watching to see the crosses turn. Turn, yeah. And they've got a darkened corner and out of that darkened corner is where he runs full Tony Collette level corner. Oh, scare. Yeah. yeah. That's the first one that I was like, oh, it like really got me. Then the room is still locked. Everyone can now hear her screaming. They're trying to get in. She gets the door open from the inside and she's peeking out. And then we see the old man's face grab as he's kind of grabbing her back yeah, into the room. His hand goes around her face and then his face pops up at mom level. Yeah. 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 The mom actually sees all of this because she's by this point to the room trying to open it, but it is locked to the radiator by a chain with a padlock on it. So they right. can't open the door. The mom does not think oh, I should go get the key for this lock. She's just trying to break it, which I get like you're in a, a state of panic at this point. So right. that's when Ed and Lorraine come out and then Ed's like, get the lock. And she, he's like trying to break the door down while she gets the lock. And then they do get the door open and go in. And ugh. yeah, and she's choking. It looks like she's choking herself on the, the on the, the curtains. curtains. This is also a case where Lorraine and Ed get there just too late that they don't see the old man. Right. So they've only seen part of it. Now, once they get into the room, the crosses are all back to normal. And the next day we cut to lunch with basically the team of people that's been investigating this haunting. Yeah, but not the family. It's just the team that's doing the investigating. I mean, so you can like talk about them without them being there because you want to talk about like, could they have made this up? Right. You know, they're talking through all that, which I actually sort of liked this scene. I do too. They present photos of her levitating, which do look like she's jumping. And that is the same case as the real life version. Yeah. They showed this picture with the real picture compared in the credits. And it looks like she's jumping in both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now they come home and they 
have bought Elvis albums because they find out that the ex-husband took all the Elvis albums and they liked listening to them together. Took all the music out of the house. He took all of it. Yeah. But he left a guitar. And so when they can't get the album to play, Patrick Wilson picks up a guitar and sings Fool's Rush In. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. I also... I mean... <laughs> but this is another one of those moments where he's like looking over at Lorraine and you're like, oh, they're not even real. They're so perfect for each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is also where he starts fixing stuff around the house because he's perfect. And because there is not a man around the house to fix stuff. So like right. Peggy uh-huh. has a long list of honeydew projects that Ed is like, I got this. I can do this for you. I think he doesn't have a real job and his wife does all the real work in this whole thing. And so he's got to make himself. Don't besmirch Patrick Wilson. How dare you? Um... <laughs> he builds the family and then he like believes in Lorraine. That's all that his character does. What is That's funny it. to me is at the end of this, when they get a bill for their services, it's also like fixed your sink, fixed your washer. <laughs> so it's like all of these repairs he's done around the house. He charges them for. Do you think this poltergeist might be the f- five feet of standing water in the basement? The black uh, mold. From yeah. I don't understand why their basement is in Venice, but I guess Yes, we'll talk about that when we get there. I, I did think it was kind of interesting because Maurice Gross has been around. The other two investigators have been around. The police have been around. Reporters. Nobody has helped these people out with any of this stuff. I know. No, no. We, ju- <laughs> we just saved it to make Ed Warren look good. Yeah. And they do and he does. Yeah. So they go down into the basement. This is where we find out that the basement is flooded to like crawl levels. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. So good. You have to get waiters to fix it. I don't even understand what he was trying to do down there. I think he was just trying to tighten up that pipe, which yeah. I'm like, that's not going to fix it. Um, yeah, it's not going to, it's like a bland, band-aid on like a gaping wound. But what we do see is that there's someone standing in the corner of the basement and it takes a full minute for yeah. her to warn him about it. Well, because she keeps like, oh, do I see something or do I not see something? Which I thought was ridiculous. Yeah, I'm like, bitch, you've seen a ton of stuff in this house. You see something. Uh, so she finds finally yells out like it disappears he kind of tries to make his way back to her and she looks down in the water this really got me this one got me so good it's such a good misdirect because you think it's going to creep up behind patrick and get patrick it doesn't it creeps up behind patrick she eventually does warn him and he turns around there's nothing there and then it grabs her and pulls her into the water And that terrified me. And then we find out that he bit her, Kinky. Yes. Not Patrick, the (laughs) old man. I would watch that all day. Oh, I knew you would. I knew you would. Anyway, so um, (laughs) he, he bites her. She gets back out. And then Patrick Wilson's looking back down at the water. And I thought they were going to go two for two. And I was like, are you really going to do the same jump scare twice? But instead, he reaches down in the water and pulls out dentures. Dentures. And then he lines up the dentures with her bite. And I thought that was so funny because the teeth that are on the dentures are the one part of the bite that's missing. So the reason he found his dentures is because Bill took his dentures out to bite her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, while all of this is happening, we cut to the children upstairs decorating for Christmas. Yes. And we hear knife sharpening sounds from the kitchen. Of course. Of course. Yeah, like you do. The forgotten middle t- child, Johnny. Well, he's back from Hogwarts. It's, he's on Christmas vacation. I get it. He has to <laughs> hang out with his muggle family and he's not allowed to use magic. I think he found his dad was like, look. <laughs> they crazy can you tell them that i'm at boarding school 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he goes into the kitchen so that he has something to do in this movie because he's right. only had one line. And he walks in and finds a bunch of knives stabbed into the table. That's a real thing that happened really? in the real case. They they can't. No one else saw it get set up. They just walked into the room, so she could have done it. Only Johnny goes into the kitchen to reveal the knives stabbed into the table, and then mm-hmm. it cuts back because the other kid starts screaming, and it cuts back to the other two kids because Janet teleported. Janet teleported, and she's got a knife. I know, because then it cuts back to Johnny, and then she's like right next to him, like crouching on a counter with a knife and i was like oh my god it, yes it really scared me two weeks my girlfriend natalie was like really <laughs> like that scared you i was like yes i was expecting that one that's my problem i don't expect anything and it just destroys me when it happens i expect it and i'm like that's gonna be very scary yeah yeah at this point furniture starts flying the kitchen's destroyed yeah they come up from the basement this was the part that i noticed where we're running around a bunch of different parts of the house, but because we've established the house so well before, we can kind of track them. We know where they um, are. We yeah. know where they are. They find Johnny in a cabinet, but they can't find Janet. So they're tracking essentially her signal, but they're tracking the ghost voice is what they're tracking. Yeah. And she is full blown possessed at this point. Like, yes, completely. Yeah. And they find her kind of contorted around the hot water heater. Yeah, it's messed up. But no sooner have they basically pulled her out of the water heater that Franca Potente's character shows up and is like, she's faking it. And I have proof. Yeah. And I love this because she got video evidence of her throwing everything we saw getting destroyed in the kitchen. Because we saw it from a different perspective yes. where we couldn't see what was causing the objects to have momentum. But now that we have that right. video, we literally see her throwing what looks like a, like a very now, strong child throwing tables and stuff around the, the In the kitchen. video, she throws that table like she is the Hulk. I yeah. know. I, I mean, it does look like she has like more than She's normal like, strength for an average right. person. Yeah. At this point, Ed and Lorraine, everyone's going home. Essentially, Peggy kicks them out of the house because they don't believe her. Because she's like, we're living through hell and you're going to blame my kid for it. I can't. So Ed and Lorraine board the cleanest train on the planet. Um, (laughs) Yes, they do, Paige. You are right. I thought it was a spaceship headed back to America. Right? They (laughs) drop two reels of tape and Patrick Wilson has an epiphany and they're going to play them at the same time. Because it's a cross page because that's the bat signal for for Patrick Wilson. (laughs) Well, well why hasn't he come to my house? I got crosses. <laughs> <laughs> so they play the tape recorders and within them they hear a much different message. Now, when I first heard this, my thought, just screen screenwriter wise, was has Janet been the demon the entire the time? The entire time, yeah. That would have been such a great movie, but um, no, but she no. hasn't. But what we do find out is that Bill is not the demon. Bill is actually being possessed himself by the actual demon because Bill says back and forth in these tapes, help me, it won't let me go. Now, this is also the entire time that they've been in England, Lorraine hasn't been able to sense anything in the house. Right, And yes. now she senses it. And so the conceit in the movie is that she could not sense things until they were far enough away from the house. And then she cuts the old man. She has a conversation with the old man where he gives her a riddle that's like, you were given to me at birth. People utter your name, blah, 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 blah. And it follows you through death. Yeah. Yeah. And it is it is essentially name is the answer to that riddle. Yeah. 
But this is also, we get an extra nun scare where she has a monster claw and a shark mouth. And I'm like, decide what your monster is, man. I know. But she's not a nun, really. She is valid. She's a juggalo. (laughs) Right. This is when Lorraine says, she's used my religion against me. She's taken the form of religious icons. Right. That's why it's presenting as a nun. We cut back to the house where Janet is now levitating with creepy yellow eyes and trying to strangle her older sister. Yeah. Um, And everyone's basically running out of the house and she's locked everyone out. Now, this is where we get introduced to the concept of knowing a demon's name gives you power over it. Which is a thing that is said in many stories and specifically horror movies, but there's not a biblical basis for that. Um, So don't try that at home. (laughs) Can't guarantee that'll work. (laughs) At this point, uh, they're trying to get into the house. All the doors are blocked and Patrick Wilson picks up a brick and breaks out a window to try and get in. And she throws a couch at him. He takes like a couch to the face. Yeah. Yes. And falls backwards into the yard. Yeah. So they run down to the basement. He's able to get into the basement, but now it's like Lorraine's vision. So she's freaking out. Yeah. And I don't know why there's a weird love story in the middle of this movie, but here it is. I mean, they're married. I That's fine. Like, it doesn't bother me that much because it's not a will they, won't they, because they already have and did. They have a daughter to prove it. But, like, she does get separated from him here and she's like wait for me don't go anywhere this is just like my vision and he's like hey I know I promised you I wouldn't do this thing that I'm about to do but I have to go do this thing that's going to put me in jeopardy because girl I, I don't know like if my wife that I was very in love with asked me not to do something I'd probably wait for her yeah but he's Captain America of Jesus yeah <laughs> right exactly I mean exactly Captain America of Jesus? But he really is. He's gotta go in there. Yeah, and he does. His calling is to be an adventure for Christ, and that means fighting demons. And he does. I know I made you a promise, baby, but I gotta (laughs) go in there. Yeah, that's what he says. And then he goes through basement Venice, and then like breaks through the floor and climbs to the floor, and while we're- Yeah, because there's no subfloor. That's a weird thing. Another thing that happens in Crawl, right? <laughs> yes. So, yeah, yes. They have, this isn't I mean, the basement. It's a crawl space. Anyway, <laughs> so he, he climbs through the floor of the first floor of the house. And while we're watching him do that, we're also seeing the neighbor go get the smallest, like, hand axe that I've seen. And he starts, like, hacking at the door while Lorraine is running back to the car. Well, yeah, Todd, he lives in a city. Why would he have a full axe? I know. I'm not saying he should have had an axe. I'm just saying he goes and gets a small axe and starts beating the door down or trying to. And while he's doing that, Lorraine runs back to the trunk of the car and is like, I got to get my Bible out because I figured out some stuff. Yeah. Now, the other thing that we see is Patrick Wilson pulling up that, you know, plank floor and it is clearly styrofoam. I don't yeah. know if you guys yeah, noticed that. Yeah. I saw that too. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, what? The? He's like crumbling the wood with his hands. <laughs> well, he's Captain America of Jesus. He's like, Aah! the power of Christ has compelled him to break apart the floor with his see, hands. These are the Christian movies I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's climbing and the hot water heater leaks which we kind of saw earlier when he was pulling Janet out yeah, that he burned yeah. himself on it. So it snaps and sprays him with hot steam in the face. In the eyes. Not the face. Not the <laughs> face. <laughs> it hits him right in the eyes and it sort of, it doesn't blind him, but it does reduce his vision because we start to get Ed cam where we're like yeah. seeing his perception. It's all like misty and it's hard to see. Kind of blurry. And he's like holding the cross up. 
I don't, he's like talking in some, probably Latin, I don't know, but he's like yelling some he, prayers He is yelling in, in Latin, yes. Yeah, and he's, he's using his superpowers. He's just, yeah, he's yeah, doing, yeah, yeah. He's doing yeah. the God stuff, and he's trying to get up to the stairs, right? And this is when right. Lorraine actually figures out the name of the demon is Valak, because she scribbled it into the Bible in the middle of this movie. And then the lightning yeah. strikes the tree and splits it in two. And then that right. we see that that is the same split. That's going to kill Patrick Wilson. So she runs to the basement, goes through the door, and then she climbs up to the floor. But while she's doing all of that, Patrick Wilson gets to the room. But this is also the second time we hear Hark the Herald Angel sing. That's when we hear the music again, right. which again, there's nothing to connect it. I don't know why it's playing. I think this movie came out during Christmas. Well, it's supposed to be Christmas in the story, but there's still nothing tying it to really anything else in the movie other than the fact that it's Christmas. Yeah. Now we see the zoetrope again. We see the crooked man disappear again. I will say the initial scare for this is not as effective, but when it takes off through the walls. Yeah, that's, that's what got me my too. mind. Yeah. That's so yeah. scary. And well done. I really like the crooked man because whenever you see him, he looks like he's still inside the zoetrope. They still have the tent up. Like that. Yeah. I was like, this is not believable. I'm out. I know. <laughs> As he's running around with the crooked man, we cut to the room right above that giant tree spear. And Janet is standing in the window and she's basically about to jump off and kill herself. Right. Patrick Wilson gets there, but then he's kind of falling out the window because he can't see. So it looks like he's going to get treed to death. He's like just holding on to the drapes, like really trying to like save her life. And then this is when Lorraine gets to the room, right? Right. And then the nun, as Lorraine gets into the room, the nun like walks over out of the, it's one of those dark corners again that she sort of orbs out of. And then she force pushes Lorraine into the wall. Yeah. And then this is when Lorraine is all like, hey, I know your name. Yeah. This is, I think this is the least scary instance of the nun. I wasn't scared at all at this point. This looks really clownish, and I'm not a fan. I think the whole third act is not as scary as the first. Yeah. So she sends the demon back. She saves Ed. They save Janet, and everyone kind of wraps up, and everyone's happy. Yeah. And then they have like a little epilogue saying that the chair stayed in the house, and the mother died in the same chair. That's actually not true. They should have taken that chair immediately and burned it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Then we see that the zoetrope joins the coterie of horrors at the mm-hmm. Warren household. And, th- and then that's how we know that he never got over his stutter. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Billy. They do in the credit sequence at the end, post a lot of the photos and play the tapes. Yeah, that was creepy. It was yeah. creepy. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the, movie. the movie. Yeah. Roll credit. So, all right, we've seen the movie. We talked about the movie. What do you guys think? Give me some final thoughts. Mikey, let's start with you. What do you think? Okay. So I really like this movie as a horror movie. It's really, scary i will say that it is i'm kind of with Paige and todd on this that like ed and lorraine kind of ruined the movie yeah (laughs) but i kind (laughs) of but i also really like the superheroes against evil hearth stuff kind of thing yeah because i have like this big love of monster squad there's just not enough movies about that i mean monster squad's great we could have just watched (laughs) monster squad (laughs) (laughs) but i i like the relate i like ed and lorraine i like the conjuring movies i like the, the weird universe i i really like the movie it scared the bejesus out of me this time uh, so, and I really like talking about it, but I wish we could have watched it together because I would have been less scared and then made fun of it better. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't watch it together because you would have really made fun of me, Mikey. 
<laughs> I know. I'm, I mean, I miss probably that. not. I think Mikey was equally as scared through a lot of stuff. That's probably yes. true. Yeah. So, what did you think, Paige? I liked it better than I thought I would. Let's put it that way. I I thought I was gonna hate it, and I didn't. I was a little bummed that it turned out to be Enfield. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I think just because Ed and Lorraine do ruin it, and there's a lot of interesting stuff about that case, and you could fully just make a movie about that case. Have it not be The Conjuring, have it not be Ed and Lorraine, and have it kind of straddle that line between is it real or is she faking it kind of like Hereditary does. Yeah. And I feel like you could get that same creep factor and it would be so scary. And I feel like for me, that's kind of what this movie is missing the mark on a little bit, where it's got some really great creepy scares and great elements to it. But then it also has like a clown nun that is supposed to be the scariest when in reality, the people are scared, just basic people reacting to those things are scarier. I feel like if you cut the nun and the crooked man out, this is a scarier, shorter movie and I'd be more on board for it. I I really do feel like, Paige, to your point, Ari Aster saw this movie and was like, ooh, I can do this so much better. And then did. And then did with Hereditary. Absolutely. I agree completely. But still, this movie really scared me and I normally really, really hate movies that scare me, but I like the story of this movie. So would I watch this movie again? Absolutely not. Do I suggest people who love horror movies watch it? Yeah, it's great. But I do think, Paige, you're right. The better story is between the British version of the Warrens, the guy who lost a daughter whose also name was Janet, and Janet of this movie. Get rid of the Warrens. Focus on that. Still make it scary, but like have him be like a father figure and then Janet be like the daughter. That I, I like that idea a lot, and that would be a movie I would want to see. And I feel like at a certain point he would have had to confront... Is she faking it? Is she not? Absolutely. And do I trust her? Like, that's such a more interesting movie. All of that said, if you're just looking for a horror movie and you don't care about the original story at all, this is more than serviceable. It's shot well. Everyone's good in it. It's a decent horror movie. I wouldn't hate watching it again. Put it that way. I would hate watching it again, but only because I'm so scared by these things that the imagery really, like, messes with me. I had a hard time sleeping last night. I watched this at night. I did have to sleep with the lights on. My girlfriend had to sleep with her eye mask on, which she (laughs) hates. So she was like, really? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. So like, yeah, yeah. I made, I like legit made it like slept with the lights on last night, which is embarrassing. And I'm, I'm, Todd, Todd, don't feel bad. I had a nightmare last night. So I don't dream. I, so I didn't have a nightmare. I, I was just so scared. It t- took me forever to fall asleep. And I, I had to have the lights on. But I do think the movie's good. I, that's not why I'm, you know, I, I'm just particularly scared by scary movies. Right. You don't dream? I'm, yeah, I'm Freddy Krueger proof. It's pretty great. You've never had any dreams? No, I have. Some people just don't remember their dreams. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's do some fun facts. It's fun facts. As we've kind of mentioned throughout, this movie is largely based on the Enfield Poltergeist haunting of 1977. Yes. Now, we've covered a lot of ground in the episode itself, so uh, I'll keep to just the few extra facts. So, number one, the reason that The Conjuring 2 is about the Enfield case is because the studio only had limited access to the case files for Ed and Lorraine, so they only have the rights to a certain amount of cases. Really? And this was oh. one of them. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So this was the one they could get rights to. There are instances of it potentially being fake. It's largely considered to be probably a hoax. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that they left out 
of the movie that is one of the things that depending on where you fall on poltergeist is either easy to explain or difficult to explain in the later stages of the haunting they just started finding giant pools of diarrhea around the house okay that's i'm glad that's not in the movie that would have been real shitty I, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like where is this coming from and i'm like someone's butt clearly you have yeah. five people living here they do have recycled furniture in real life however once the investigators get there, they do get rid of a lot of that furniture. Oh, do they uh, in real life? Yeah. Good. You should. And there is a murder in the house. It's not Bill. It's the the murder that the furniture is connected to is different than what the entity of Bill is connected to. Okay. So the idea that it was like the same chair and he died in it and then she died in it. No, they got rid of that furniture. She does continue to live in the house though. So the haunting only lasts like 19 months. After that point, a lot of the consensus is that a priest showed up and it stopped after that. But there's also the understanding that lots of it centered around Janet and a lot of it was her telling people what voices were happening. A lot of it was, you know, things occurring that people couldn't explain, but they hadn't necessarily seen. And they were kind of hearing second and third hand. Right. And by the time this ends, Janet is closer to 13. It may be that she just kind of grew out of it. And we <laughs> are catching her at a rough time where she you yeah. know, is missing her dad. They've just gotten divorced. Her brother's not doing great. And they are struggling financially. So a lot of people point to those elements to say that this maybe was her acting out. Now, she maintains that the haunting happened. She is actually in the DVD extras on The Conjuring 2. Really? Talking what? about it. And she actually tells stories about the Warrens being there, except that the Warrens were only at the house for a day. Really? Yes, they were only there for a day, and it was after a bunch of other researchers and investigators had been there. Maurice Gross is there for almost the full 19 months. They just showed up for a day, and it was after it had already hit the news. So they literally (laughs) ambulance chased it, and they showed up uninvited, by the way. No one told them to go. They just showed up, which is kind of how they show up to everything. Now, we have some other fun facts about the movie itself. Uh, allegedly, the original design for the demon was dark with horns, like a more traditional. Ah, well, that's what comes out. You, that's what comes out when the, the at nun the is very, there. very mm-hmm. end. Yeah, look, when Lorraine name drops the demon, you see the the nun sort of fade away, and then the demon yes. there, and then the demon gets like broken apart or whatever, sent back to hell, I guess, whatever. Now he changed it to the nun to give Lorraine's character a question of faith, but this was all done in reshoots after the movie was finished. Really? I bet they started doing the sh- the special effects on this horn demon and it didn't look good. They did get to meet some of the members of the family who visited the set to meet people playing them, those who were still alive. Um, Peggy died in 2003. A priest came onto the set the first day of shooting to bless the set. Uh, <laughs> and the name of the demon can be seen five different times in the Warren's home throughout the movie. Really? Now, this movie, much like its, I would say, spiritual predecessor, The Exorcist. Sure killed a person at a screening. Now, the exorcists, rumors of people fainting and having heart attacks have largely been attributed to marketing and they probably didn't happen the way that people said they did. Uh, But for this movie, at a film screening in India, a 65-year-old man started complaining of chest pains and fainted. He was rushed to the hospital but pronounced dead on arrival. What? Um, 
Yes. As the body was being transferred to another hospital, allegedly the body and vehicle vanished, never to be seen again. What? (laughs) That is a movie. Yeah, that's a movie. That's insane. Um, Well, thank you, Paige, for those fun facts. And a big thanks to listener Kate, who provided a bunch of those fun facts as well. Thank you so much, Kate. Mm -hmm. So let's talk box office. Yes, let's. Now, this movie came out in 2016. What do you guys think the budget for this movie was? I bet it's 20 mil. Easily, because it had to outdo the last one. I would actually say closer to 40 mil. All the stuff that I saw about the budget for this movie was, Paige, exactly right, $40 million. Mm -hmm. Wow. So it was a pretty expensive movie to make. But, I mean, they they had to remake sort of London as 1970s London, which I think they did a very, very convincing job of. The movie looks and sounds great. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about how much it made. Now, it came out June 10th. 2016 what do you guys think it made in its opening weekend domestically i summer box office i mean like this is a summer blockbuster it's a summer scare for sure i want to say 30 i i'm actually gonna go higher i'm gonna say 60 Ooh, okay so you guys were a little lower and a little higher it actually was 40.4 million dollars its first week out and it came out in a pretty packed crowd because three movies came out that weekend and it beat the other Mm. two and those were warcraft that made 24 million that week now you see me too which is the worst name for that movie it should should be now you don't you don't i know and i i've talked about this on the podcast before (laughs) i may have edited it out but i am so mad at now you see me too because the first one's called now Uh, you see me it's about magic it obviously should be called now you don't don't. whatever that's the reason that movie bombed anyway the fourth movie that weekend was the teenage mutant ninja turtle movie that came out that year and then x-men apocalypse yeah so it did very well in its first week out how much did it make overall oh we're about to talk about that mikey because it is impressive domestically it ended up making 102 million dollars and then internationally it made another 208 million dollars this movie made 310 million dollars at the box office this movie ain't playing man it made a lot it got good reviews at the time too yeah i remember this being a huge massive hit conjuring 3 is gonna come out i think this was come out this year but they delayed till next year yeah it comes out june 4th 2021 but the conjuring barely beat this one for worldwide box office at 317 million this one made 310 so they both did very very well technically the conjuring did a little bit better they probably spend a little less on it too yeah and so yeah it probably made them more money but still super big hits here like they did very very well yes but that's box office oh yeah so let's do that scary scale so hey listeners remember that this is an indication not of the quality of the film but how scared we were when we watched it today our one example is ghostbusters our 10 example is arachnophobia or (laughs) if you're mikey it's arachnophobia yeah yes so where did you place this on your scary scales so for me this is a solid seven it's very scary i do think if it was in the theaters it would have been a nine for me because it's there's not a whole lot that's scarier than this for me and if i saw this like i saw hereditary in the theaters it would be up there close to hereditary i think hereditary is more scary that's mm-hmm. still the scariest movie I've ever, I've ever seen but this movie was very scary and people on social when we announced that we were doing this were like god i hope todd's wearing a diaper it did scare the <laughs> shit out of me but not literally oh good watching this made me want to show you tale of two sisters because i think it might get that 10 rating 
Oh, I might need a break before we get to all of that. Ugh. I'm going to have to also give it a seven. Yeah, it's really scary. And you watched it, it alone. Scary. Okay, so one thing I've learned during coronavirus is uh, when I'm watching scary movies by myself, they are scarier than when I'm with a room full of people. <laughs> and I don't like them as much. I'm having to invite people over to watch them with me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give this one about a five and a half. Oh, but, nice. but if I had been in a theater, this would be a solid seven or eight. Yeah. Hands, hands down. So this week, you guys made me watch The Conjuring 2, and you're both dicks for making me watch it. What are you guys <laughs> making me watch next week? Well, Todd, we're not making you watch anything. Oh. The listeners have voted. Oh, that I know what it is. Yeah, the listener request. Yes, and they have voted for What We Do in the Shadows, which I love that film. I love yeah. it as well. I am thrilled. Have you never have you seen, seen it, it, Todd? No, I'm not. <gasps> I've not seen it. You're going to love it. That's what I've heard. I've heard it's an amazingly funny, funny movie. And Taika Waititi is the guy who's directed yeah, it, right? Uh, Taika Waititi is in it, but then Taika also directs okay. it. Uh, With Jemaine Clement And then they went on to co-produce the show The show is also fantastic You don't need to have watched the movie to see the show But it definitely helps Because they do exist in the same universe Oh, do they really? They They do It's great So guys, watch What We Do in the Shadows for next week So Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? I definitely don't So Mikey, while you're looking up a review Let me tell them how they can have their review read on the podcast And that is simply to leave us a five-star text review on Apple iTunes. But Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? All right, this one's from the Soba Cobra. The Soba Cobra? Soba with, with an H. Yeah, like they're in a program somewhere, but they're also yeah. a snake. Yes, exactly. Steps. <laughs> <laughs> they say, I ha- have a great time listening. I'm Aww. a huge horror nerd, but I don't take the genre overly serious. I also love showing horror to people that haven't seen it or don't generally watch it. So this seemed like a no-brainer. I mean, I do think based upon what they've said, it is a no-brainer for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is a pretty, like, spot-on description. Okay, I so, so. Um, I, I've tried some other horror podcasts, but lose interest quickly because they get a little too analytical. Ooh, same. This podcast is perfect for me. <laughs> they give a play-by-play of the beats of whatever they're watching, but also make jokes about things that don't quite work, which I love. It reminds me of a less intense Mystery Science Theater 3000 in that regard. Keep up the great work, guys. Oh, thank you so much, the Soba Cobra. We really, really appreciate that awesome five-star review. And guys, if you want your five-star review run on the podcast, leave us a five-star review. We remember the Consequence Podcast Network, so check out all of their stuff and their site, consequenceofsound.net. Uh, and if you want to follow all of our shit, go to horrorvirgin.com for like links to the merch store and stuff like that. Or if you want to follow us on social, we are at Horror Virgin. And if you want to follow us all individually, Mikey is at mrandolph24. Paige is at at Page Wesley or Rampage Wesley, depending upon yes. what social platform you're on. Twitter is Page Wesley. Instagram is Rampage Wesley because Page Wesley was taken. There you go. By some jerk. And my socials are at Todd J. Awesome because someone stole Todd Awesome and does not use it. I That's, hate that person. The other Paige Wesley doesn't use it either. She's some what sort a- of CEO somewhere and I've been trying to buy it and she's mad at me because I own the domain. I own the domain. <laughs> And the Twitter and the Gmail and like almost all of it. And then (laughs) the one thing she managed to get was the Instagram and then later the TikTok. So uh, on TikTok and on Instagram, I'm at Rampage Wesley. 
Awesome. That's so funny. I love oh, that yeah. we both have like beefs with our other social media like counterparts. Our nemesis. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Anyway, so guys, check us out there. Obviously, Paige is also on another great podcast called Cult Podcast, where they Yay. cover cults in depth. It's an amazing show. Yes. Most of our listeners have heard about it and are regular listeners of that show already, but check it out if you haven't. It's really, really great. And if you want to help financially support the show, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin. We got a lot of great levels and a lot of great things, a lot of great bonus episodes, a lot of great bonus content. We've got um, listener requests like you guys just did to pick what we do in the shadows. So all of that stuff. So get in on that. Uh, if you can't help financially support the show, but still want your daily free content, go to the Horror Virgin Facebook group where there's over a thousand members now hanging out supporting each other it's a really great welcoming loving community guys check it out so that's gonna be it for us this week guys thank you so much for hanging out with us when we talk to the conjuring too and Paige, thank you so much for stepping in on such short notice we of really course, appreciate that i had a blast i'm excited to do more movies it'll be fun it'll be a lot of fun i appreciate it and so does mikey even though he's on his phone reading other reviews <laughs> <laughs> i i can't wait to make you watch horrible things that's gonna be it from us i'm Paige. i'm mikey and i'm your horror virgin Todd, guys. Have a great week. Yeah, guys, have a great week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Valak nerds. Saying someone's name does give you power over them.